Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blood on the Rocks. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Courtney Misich. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> so, do you want to say a little about yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, I'm the co-host of the Cult of Joe Mysticy podcast. We do true crime his- and history. I'm over here, obviously, by my accent in America. So I'm in Cleveland, and I studied history for six years and i now am a master of it and all that fun stuff excellent oh man history busts are awesome (laughs) oh yeah i studied the 18th century british empire so it was a lot of fun a lot of oh joy so you're perfect for this kind of thing then (laughs) oh yeah right so what you drinking um as it's not yet five o'clock here i'm drinking irish coffee excellent (laughs) and a big big cup of it it's i think in my head I am quite jealous of it. Yeah, I'm drinking a kind of Thatcher's gold cider that I had in my fridge for a while. <laughs> Someone left it here. But, um, it's, it's eminent domain at this point. It's yours. I mean, it's been here for like a month or so now. and They're not coming back to Birmingham anytime soon. So, you know. Who doesn't love when people leave alcohol at your house? Mm-hmm. The joy of being a student. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I just steal my parents. It's so much better. And better alcohol for free. This is fair. Right. What are you going to be telling me about today? I am going to do an urban legend. It's a Cleveland urban legend of the Melonheads. Excellent. I've heard of this, but I don't know anything about it. So it's pretty perfect. Yes, this terrified me as a child and still kind of does. Because when I drive home late at night, there's no lights on my street. And then even though I'm far enough away, I still think there could be Melonheads in the woods. There could, they could <laughs> wander over here and then everything, I would be screwed. I probably should stop watching horror movies is really what this is. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. I like, I love a good horror film. What's your favorite? I'm curious. Um, God, I haven't watched one in a while. Cause I, I moved back home. So again, live in the woods. So I freak myself out. <laughs> I like the Babadook, but I was really drunk when watching it. So I have a very hazy memory of it. But um, I think the favorite one is John Cusack. It's six. It's the room, like six something. Was it Sixth Sense, maybe? No, it's a hotel one where the hotel room is haunted, and he just basically goes insane for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one. You had, okay, you have to find out what that is so I can watch it. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. For me, it's, def- it's going to be a Hellraiser series. Yeah, it's... Uh, God, I'm in about it. It's, it's 1408. I was off. Why was I thinking six? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so the melon heads are mainly associated with... Uh, the suburb of Kirtland, which is 10 minutes from my house. So that's why I get a little freaked out. 
Also, my grandparents lived there. So as a child, you know, family parties, they also live in the woods. It's just a very wooded area in the east side of Cleveland. So you're like a small child and you're like, um, if I walk out here by myself at night, will they come and get me? And basically what they are are small humanoid creatures with large misshapen heads. And uh, the creepiest description I found of them are hairless with deformed limbs, razor-like teeth, and glowing red light. <laughs> glowing red eyes there we go so terrifying excellent yeah. that sounds like fun so oh quite a few things i was researching but um i decided to go for one one of the periods i find really interesting and it's post-world war ii Ooh. so may 1945 so I, what i find really interesting is how is the treatment of germans after the war i love that topic because no one ever thinks of it <laughs> i heard a really good conference paper on the ger- the effects of air raids on Germans. So like looking at the verse instead of the air raids on the Allies, air raids on Germans. That was really good. Yeah. it's like So I'm going to be talking about a concentration camp in Slovenia. <laughs> oh, yes. I know about those. Yeah. The Tehara camp. Um, I haven't, once again, I have not looked up how to pronounce it. <laughs> I am reasonably okay at pronouncing yep. Baltic names, but that's just because we have the largest population of Slovenians outside of the country. So mm. it's like, I'm just assuming it's a soft J at the end. It's mm-hmm. like T-E-H-A-R-J-E. So sure. it's either T-R-A or T-R-J. So, but, um, yeah, it's probably a soft J. Because if you look yeah. at Lub- Lublana, it's kind of the same way. Or they... Either way, I've committed now. <laughs> <laughs> Just commit one way. I don't know if you've ever heard my French pronunciation. It's horrible, and I do mm-hmm. it on purpose. I mean, you've listened to plenty of my episodes. So you kind of know that I don't really, I, I never pronounce things anyway. So, like, right. Oh, yeah. Why well, pronounce One day I'll look it up. So, yeah, so that's going to be, uh, it's really fucked up. So, should you go first? Because mine's a little lighter, I guess. Well, I, let, I always let my guests have the choice. So, what, what do you prefer? I'll go second because yours sounds really dark and mine ends up kind of sad funny. Okay, that works. Yeah, that, dude, that's probably wise, actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bring a pick-me-up. Yeah, so um, we'll cut to promos. So I have I'll... promos for so long. Promos for days. This time I'm going to go for Eye for an Eye because I've been listening to them today and I've been really enjoying them. Great art. Yeah, great art. Like. <laughs> It's one. Of the, I think it's one of the best uh, podcast logos I've seen. It's, it's up there. I'm a fan. But yes, so cut to promos. Uh, this is Eye for an Eye. Boop. Hey, 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 everybody. My name's Lisa. And my name is Matt. And we are the hosts of Eye for an Eye podcast. And we are trying to determine whether or not the punishment fits the crime. Wasn't Eye for an Eye Matt? Does the punishment make sense? Was it too lenient, too harsh, too rough, not enough? We're not sure, but we're about to figure it out. And do you think that we have the opportunity to determine now what happened after the fact? Take a listen to our podcast, Eye for Eye Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And we are back. So I'm going to be talking about the Tehara camp in Slovenia, which is, surprisingly enough, near Tehara. In Slovenia. Basically, this was a concentration camp, which was, um, at first it was used to train the Hitler youth, um, and then it shut down for a bit after the war, and was reopened by the Yugoslav secret police, or the OZNA, 
Gotta love a good acronym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm only saying that because the, later on in my notes, it's pretty much always referred to as the OZNA, and I'm going to forget what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point, when you look at foreign secret police, do you ever want to know how to pronounce those words? Not really. I'm normally okay with it, but because the um, acronym is so different to the to just you because I'm secret police, I'm going to forget. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, basically this was um, used at the end of World War II in Yugoslavia and uh, generally used to keep the members of the Slovene Home Guard, which were used by the Germans, and as well as normal German and Slovene, and Slovene civilians. You so, know, good communist countries. So um, like I said, it was abandoned for a bit after the war, then reactivated. So I'm going to start this around, 19, around 1941, which was just after the occupation of Yugoslavia in April. So basically this was um, after the Axis kind of uh, just took over. They divided Slovenia into three parts between Germany, Italy and Hungary. Do you want to know a Slovenian fun fact? Go for it. So my, I guess would be great, great, great grandmother that where they lived, they lived on the Italian side when it was an empire between Austro-Hungarian and Italian, but she moved empires three times and didn't actually move her house. Shit. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> fun of being a Balkan native, you know. <laughs> mm. The arms resistance started generally after the, after Germans started invading the Soviet Union in July '41, with Italian authorities sponsoring local anti-communist loot units, which just worked as like cheap troops to fight the Slovene partisans who were like the locals, <laughs> the local government, uh, because communism. Yeah, communism loves fighting things. And generally, the Axis weren't so communist-friendly, <laughs> which I, I think many people know at this point. So, uh, after Italy surrendered in September 1943, Germany also took over the Italian provinces and united the anti-communist units into the Slovene Home Guard. I always love uh, they picked the Home Guard to make it sound more patriotic, but it's really, they were just like, we're going to get all the people that were already fighting together and just make it sound like it's not us. Yeah. Then the end of the war comes around with uh, Croatian and German forces retreating uh, to the Austrian border uh, through Slovenia. And then a bit later on in May 45, the Slovenian forces also start retreating because they start losing as well. So this ended up being about 30,000 soldiers, which was about 10,000 to 12,000 Slovenes, 10,000 Germans, 4,000 Serbs, 4,000 members of the Russian Corps, and 6,000 Slovene civilians, where they kind of retreated back to the Austrian border uh, and surrendered to British forces. You know, just a good hodgepodge of Balkan nations and for some reason Russia. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, the British were absolutely amazing for trying to to sort out the post-war stuff. (laughs) I feel like it's it's a 50-50, who's better, the British or the Americans? Who's going to secretly mess things up more? They're going to make it look good, though. And also, I didn't even know. I honestly didn't even know about this until like early this week. So back into it. So the camp was uh, built in the summer of 1943 and had six large barracks and 40 courtyards where they trained to hit the youth. Um, That's a the, lot of courtyards. Yeah, basically training for firing purposes, to learn geography. Um, there was some other stuff, but that's not in my notes either. So, <laughs> yeah, this is stuff I'm remembering from reading. <laughs> this is like, how do you learn geography in a courtyard? Did they just set up an easel and then show you? 
maybe maybe they just had a load of globes it's like <laughs> different globes around the courtyard basically that's just what the internet said <laughs> that's just a, an excessive amount of courtyards i'm like you don't even have enough barracks to justify the number of courtyards this yeah i did notice that as well i guess you need a lot of space for shooting maybe they had know. more other buildings and they just didn't count them maybe but that's yeah i way that's what wikipedia said <laughs> thank you wikipedia so the OZA, the Yugoslav Secret Police, or the Department of National Security. Now that just makes me feel really, really insecure. Hi, NSA. They're probably listening. Let's yeah. not lie. Well, if you are, please subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> NSA, please subscribe. Remember to rate and review. If you follow us on Twitter, we'll really appreciate it. If they actually follow us on Twitter, I'm going to be freaked out. <laughs> to be fair, I'd, be ex- I'd, be, I'd find it so funny. You find it funny. Because I'm in England. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the, I'm in England. It's fine. <laughs> like, I, I have several countries I think I can go to. I could go to England. I have family there now. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I just have to afford the plane trip over, which will be hard, but it's cool. <laughs> so, after the uh, OZNA took over the camp uh, in May 1945, uh, they turned it into a prison camp for internees of the, of the Sealy area. Uh, a, report, a report from the OZNA uh, stated that in addition to the prison, we established a concentration camp in Tehare with an additional 16 buildings erected, including a warehouse and a bunker under it used as a torture chamber. I like that they were like, we're not going to put our torture chamber above ground. We'll just put it below ground so no one can hear you scream. That's why uh, yeah, so this made a total of 17 large barracks with each barrack and courtyard separately fenced with, with wire. Oh, so each one has its own courtyard. Okay, got it. Uh, actually, I, f- I think even the courtyards were separate from the barracks. They just they just had loads of wire fences in between everything. <laughs> from what Did I can they tell. get a deal on wire fencing? That's I hope so. <laughs> well, it's a communist yeah. country at that point, so it's, you probably can just sit, tell the factory how much you want, and you don't really pay that much for it. I didn't actually realize this. I just read it now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the whole complex was about five. 100 meters wide and 800 long, which is not much for how many barracks there are. That's really small. Yeah, um, it's, it's not even a kilometer. I thought it would be like a couple kilometers, but that's no. what. I, yeah, I, was, I missed that entirely when I was making my notes. Army, like, I mean, I read it, but I didn't register until I just read read it out loud. So this <laughs> like, is a this is a concentration camp for ants, is what you're telling me. Yeah. And the, t- and the complex was surrounded with barbed wire fences, uh, with, with spotlights and guard posts of machine gun bunkers and watchtowers on the outside. Sounds pretty secure. Can't shake mm-hmm. your way out of that. Yeah, you don't fuck with machine guns. No, I think you wouldn't have won against machine guns. No. Would have been a very different movie. I should mention, I'm halfway done with this giant glass. Yeah, I'm about here now, I think. I'm just kind of getting it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, I have um, more alcohol here. Yeah, I think there's beer down here somewhere. There's beer, homemade beer, homemade wine. My dad decides he wants to make alcohol with his church friends, and I find it a little weird. Oh, I've got a great bottle of wine here, actually. I've been saving for uh, an episode sometime. I'm not sure you can see it. Dracula? You have to do, like, an actual Dracula episode then. I know. It's the second Dracula bottle I've opened, actually. I had had one earlier. I think we've done vampires now twice, pretty much. (laughs) And I didn't open it for one of those. <laughs> just make it ironic at this point. Like, pick one that's yeah. really, like, really sweet and mild and just do the Dracula bottle. Oh, yeah. So, 
Um, let's talk about the prisoners arriving to the camp. <laughs> so, um, first of all, the People's Defense Corps of Yugoslavia um, organized transports of prisoners to Tehari, with the first one being detar- uh, detainees from the Stari Piska prison in Sali. I keep saying Sali, like, it's spelled C-E-L-E-I for people who live near me at the moment because I currently live in Sali Oak. Oh, no. Okay, I was wrong in time. It was Selji. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a J, not an I. It's just that, um, because it had the red, red underline, it was... Oh, okay. Yeah. Selji? Selji, I guess. Yeah, let's go Selji. Because, uh, you think of it, Yugoslavia, it has the, it, it's, it's a J or a Y. So think of it like that, like a... Okay. Oh, okay. Let's go for Selji. Selji. Sounds that. fancier. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, a report from the 16th of May 1945 mentioned that there were about 1,088 internees in the camp, most of which were captured in raids from, by the secret police, with Slovene prisoners separated from the others, which were turned over to the Third Army or military authorities of their countries. So they just kept their own people, you know. It's good and bad. It's like, I'm sure it's fine. Nothing abused. <laughs> I'm sure they got plenty, plenty of pizza and krofa and delicious Slovenian sausage. It's fine. Everything's okay. I just named Slovenian food. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, anyway. So the OZNA uh, conducted mass arrests of Germans from the, oh boy, um, Kocheve region. It, it's, got a, it's got an accent on the sea, which were also brought to Tihare. And on May 29th, it was reported that a total of 252 prisoners were executed in districts during May. Happy uh, May. Now, back to the people that, that surrendered to the British forces, because this went well. I already know what happens to them. It sounds bad, but I, one of my uh, cohorts did his thesis on Russian gulags, and he was telling us about it, so I, I'm preparing myself for how horrible it is. So the Slovene Home Guard surrendered to the British forces in May 1945 and were interned at the Vetinri Bettin- camp uh, near Klagenfurt in Austria. Uh, and between May 29th and May May 31st, uh, they were brought to tr- by trains to Bleiberg and deported to Yugoslavia in the Bleiberg repatriations. Yeah. In total, the amount of people that were deported to Yugoslavia were about 9,500 home guards and 600 civilians. Do you know what happened to the Russians? I do not, uh, apart from gulags, I assume. Um no, they the when the Russian soldiers who like surrendered got sent back, um, they basically they might if they were lucky got sent to gulags. If not, they were executed. Basically, they got sent back to their death. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I got that. Yeah, that's what I was. I thought they also got executed. So I was like, oh god, everyone dies. But that's better. They were only interned and probably reeducated. Yes, that's definitely <laughs> what happens. Nothing else ever <laughs> happens, obviously. Yeah, so several thousand of them were taken by trains from the Austrian border to Trav- to Travograd towards the town of Selje. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that differently every time. <laughs> yep. It's a language adventure. Uh, and on the 28th of May, about two, 2.800 members of the 4th Home Guard Regiment and 200 civilians were transported from Bleiberg to Slovenia Grenik, with the 3rd Home Guard Regiment arriving in Sloven Grenik. God, this is hard. <laughs> uh, on, on the 29th of May, uh, along with the first group sent by trains to nearby Venonhir and from there, Selier, where they arrived on the morning of the 1st of July. Some of the prisoners did manage to escape on the trip, but um, not many. It's so, kind of hard uh, to escape from a train, though. If you think about it, those like if they're locked from the outside, 
Yeah, I didn't look up how they escaped because there's a fair bit here. Um, I don't want to go too over the top. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking personally, like, think about yes. probably going pretty fast. Would you throw yourself from a train? I guess if you yeah. know the situation you're going into, yes. Yeah. Now, from the from the railway station of Selhe, they were taken by the Ozadne uh, through, through the town by foot towards the nearby Telhari camp. Do you think there was someone with a bell yelling shame? You're not far off, actually. <laughs> the camp was seven kilometers east of Selhe, so it was a seven kilometer walk. Uh, during the during the whole trip, prisoners were beaten, and those that lagged behind were shot. I don't know which one I would want to be. Do you want to be at the front of that line? Do you want to be beaten, or would you just accept your sweet death? I think by the end of this, I think you'll know <laughs> you'll, you'll know exactly which one you prefer. <laughs> and upon arrival to camp, they had to drop everything they had, which they were carrying, except for their clothes. So they, they still had to carry on their shirt, and they just they just got taken away. Yeah, that's sad. So, of course, the camp wasn't suitable for the admission of so many prisoners from Blayburg. So, and the home guards received no food on the first day after a seven-kilometer walk. I uh, want, like, food after, like, a, maybe a one-mile walk, maybe half a mile walk. I'm like, give me food. Yeah, but, of course, but it was chosen anyway because it already had barracks um, and was near the town of Summerhill, so which was the closest place they, they could. And in total, it was around 4,000 to 500 Slovene home guards and civilians transferred uh, to this camp. This camp for ants. Yep. It's it's a lot of people. In a tiny uh, camp. Yep. Now, how are the emits treated, you may ask? <laughs> Great. They got sandwiches and tea, and everyone got to make crafts. Uh, unfortunately, not so much. Right. So the, the home guards were placed in the courtyards, while civilians and Germans were placed in the barracks. Well, maybe that's why they had so many courtyards. Mm-hmm. Apparently so. <laughs> um, the, the barracks were 20 meters in length and 8 in width. So, uh, think about that. That's uh, probably like the su- less than the size of a swimming pool, like an actual. Oh shit! You're actually right. Shit. <laughs> I, I got. But yeah, uh, and it had bunk beds, toilets, and sinks. Windows had iron bars, and around the barracks was a narrow ditch that the home guards weren't allowed to cross. A list was made of every prisoner with their personal information and date of entry in the army. This is important in separating the home guard prisoners of war into three groups. Group A was juveniles. Group B was those mobilized in 1945 at the end of the war. And Group C was everyone else. It's like you don't know which group you want to be in. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they're treating them differently. Because juveniles, you can train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, of course, there were exceptions of rules. People did kind of go between them sometimes. But generally, minors from Group A were allowed in a, were situated in the barracks. And were told that they would be tried by people's courts. Group B were also in the barracks, but a part of them would be selected for execution. And the majority of the home guards were in group C and placed out in the open. Well, you don't want to be in group B because like half of you are going to die. Kind of want to be in group A. Yeah. The first two groups received two meals a day. The, Solid. The third group was not so lucky as they were given no water or food for the first two and a half days. After they walked the seven kilometers. Mm-hmm. God, um, I would not have made it. Yeah, after this, they received one meal daily. And then the, uh, from the 5th of June, two meals daily. They moved so, up. Yep. Sometimes they're allowed to bring water and share with inmates, but it depends on the guards. Oh, God. I'm just thinking they had to, like, swap favors, and I don't want to think of what you have to do to, get, like, get water. But, of course, I'm thinking about it, and, like, what favors are you exchanging? No one has anything. They took everything. Yep. So, 
the civilians in the camp were generally those accused of collaboration with like Germans or and they arrived with the home guard from Bleiburg with a lot of them were family members of the guard but they had free access to water and had better food but still had little treatment so um, really but, the best situation be a civilian just kind of fly under the radar and hope these, you don't get shot yeah but even these at times the OZ, the OZNA guards would take female prisoners to the main gar- barracks during the night where they were raped. Yeah, I'm not uh, shocked. Yeah, with a, and several witnesses reported that around 15 infants died on a wagon due to sun exposure. Now, the home guard officers were stripped to torture in the camp's bunker. They, they took the time to build a torture bunker. They got to break it in. And there, like, there were plenty of atrocities. Like One of them were three underage home guards were killed after they were caught taking canned food from the backpacks that, they were, that were confiscated when they arrived. Pretty common. Yeah. Now, this this next section is titled Maskers. Okay, I'm ready. Just to get just to get just to warn you. Now, I'm going to start with a quote, which was basically from the authorities. I'm not sure exactly who it was that said it. I haven't written that down for some reason. I've forgotten where I got it from. Uh, yep. So basically, it says the stance on captured officers and prisoners complies with earlier instructions. Officers are to be purged without exception unless you receive notification from the OZNA or party that an individual is not to be liquidated. In general, no mercy is to be shown in purges and liquidation. You know, describing people like merchandise often leads to bad things. Mm-hmm. Anything that uses the word liquidated is never going to be good. As soon as I heard the word purge, I just thought of Stalin, and I was like, mm. yeah, that's going to go well. Yep. Over the time it was open, all the prisoners from Group C and the majority from Group B were taken to nearby pits, ditches, or caves and executed. Let's let's applaud them for their ingenuity. Normally, people don't put massacre victims in caves. They mm-hmm. were being creative. Yep. With the transfer of prisoners, mostly done at night. So basically, they'd call, out your, they'd call out the guy's name. He'd step out and basically be put into the back of the truck, being told they were going to be transported to another camp. The, f- the first few victims were members of the White Guard. I didn't actually look, look up this but I assume they were like the more senior members of the guard. Yeah, normally if your guard's titled with a color, mm-hmm. they tend to be more important. Yep. Uh, one night, they, they were, basically one night they were called out, loaded onto trucks and buses, and taken to a nearby valley where they were shot, with bursts of gunfire from the valley lasting for about an hour. Damn, that's a long time to be shooting people. Yeah. The real question is, did everyone else at the camp know what was going on? Like, you think after an hour of gunfire from a nearby, nearby valley, you'd yeah. be sitting there and be like, Shit, this is going yeah, I, where I think it's going. Yeah, I don't know how far away the how far it would have been. So it, would, I'm not sure if they could actually hear the gunfire. But um, either way, fucked up. <laughs> oh yeah. Like transports, the transport of others generally began on the fifth of June, with drivers across the country being uh, engaged to help. Not usually not being told why, like what they're doing. That is the worst feeling. Like. You just think you're taking these guys to somewhere else and then you realize your like location is just an empty field with mm-hmm. a ditch and you're just sitting there like, fuck, what did I yep. just become complicit in? They're usually taken to nearby pit, ca- pit caves used for mining and stuff. Um, and once arrived, they were taken off the tracks, ordered to take their clothes off, lined up along the edge of the pit and shot. Now, there's another detail here. Some of them survived the initial round and fall into the camp- cave. So you could hear their screams for hours. Oh my god! I don't. I think that's worse. That's worse. Yeah. That's way worse. Yep. You're in naked some case, in a cave. Yep. In some case, cases, soldiers threw hand grenades in to help finish it. Help finish them. At that point, you just welcome death. You're naked in a cave. 
Yep. Usually with usually with shot runes. So uh, most of the guards from Group C were killed by mid June, which is like two weeks. <laughs> they were very efficient. Okay. And then after that, it was time for the home guards from Group B. On the twenty fifth June, the Slovenian Prime Minister Boris Kidrick stated. No later than the course of three weeks, the Tribunal of National Honor will be dissolved. Courts martial will only try military personnel, so everything else will be assumed by regular courts. A new amnesty will be proclaimed. You therefore do not have any reason to be as slow in the purges as you have been so far. <laughs> Anytime when they say you're, you're too slow in purging people, that's not a good person. Considering that, like... In two weeks, they got rid of an ent- the entire group C, which is the biggest group. <laughs> You've been too slow in murdering everyone into caves and ditches and valleys. You need mm-hmm. to speed it up. Your timetable's not matching. Come on. Yep. And by the end of June, it was mostly prisoners younger than 18 in the camp. The largest mass grave prisoners from the camp was in a abandoned coal mine in Hudajama, where home guards were killed in the Barbara Pit Massacre. Like, there were many of, like, there were a lot more other mass grave locations as well tell you how many at the end because i can't remember right now (laughs) (laughs) that's why like sometimes i'm like i want to go travel to europe and then i remember continental europe is full of mass graves and i don't want to deal with that haunted shit (laughs) i don't want to deal with it well i will basically i i will say it's in the hundred it's about 500 i'm not shocked yeah i think it's about 600 but we'll find out at the end if i'm right (laughs) or not so take your bets now now i'm going to tell you about this massacre because there are a lot of them, but I was like, I might, I should probably like tell you some details about at least one of them. Okay. I mean, you did listen to the Kirtland Cult one, which was killing children in a pit of death. So it's fair. It's fair. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's tell you the details of a massacre, shall we? Ready. Okay. Basically, in late June, a lot of the prisoners were taken by trucks to the abandoned Barbara mine in Judahama. So basically, this occurred over the course of May and June, where... The Yugoslav army started emptying the prison camps uh, around Slovenia. Just ones from the Tahari camp and the Stari Piska prison. And um, the Slovene Home Guard POWs were singled out and were the first ones to arrive on last week of May. So once arrived, groups of five to six prisoners had had their hands tied with wire, stripped in order to kneel above the mine shaft and shot in the head. They were hit with a mine hammer or pickaxe. So they inglorious bastard those, those people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I never want to go by blunt by any kind of blunt force trauma because I, yeah, I've seen images of like fucking what happens when you and you by blunt force. It's not great. Oh, yeah. It's not great. No. Blunt force isn't great. <sighs> really randomly, I've seen an X-ray of someone who committed suicide by nail gun. That wasn't great. Oh joy! <sighs> they didn't do it just once. That was the the crazy thing. Like, they had the conviction. I think there was, like, three nails in there. Or is that the morgue? Oh, morgue. So, but yeah, like, oh, I don't know, like, it's like, which one do you want to go by? It's like, blood forge trauma, if it's hard enough to kill me right away, do it that way. I want to just die right away. Mm-hmm. But a pickaxe to the head seems a bit much. Yeah, I don't know. I think the idea of crushing just feels awful to me. It just sounds awful to me. <laughs> like, yeah, Especially anyway. your head. Yeah, I was just like, so, um, in some cases, groups of 20 to 30 prisoners were tossed tossed into a mineshaft, followed by hand grenades to finish off the victims. A number of prisoners were thrown in alive. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
once the shafts were filled with corpses, the remaining prisoners were sent in the direction of north northwest Croatia, where they were killed down instead. Uh, while the bodies were covered in lime to speed up the decomposition. So, uh, the mine was then enclosed with 400 cubic meters of concrete and wooden barriers. That's a lot of concrete. Now, you're going to enjoy this sentence. <laughs> Those still conscious tried to climb over each other and reach the hatch, but could not escape the sealed mine. Oh my god. Because there were still people alive. Oh yeah, because they threw people in alive. Mm-hmm. Um, At that point, do you think they became Wendigo- Wendigos? That is my question. Oh. Wendigos are one of my favorite bits of folklore. So. They're, they're terrifying, yeah. but yep. great. Mm-hmm. So basically, these were carried out by the third grade of the Slovenian uh, People's Defense Corps of Yugoslavia Division. Now, do you, give me an estimate of how many people. I'm going to go 10,000. I feel like that's uh, reserved. Yeah. Well, it says several thousand, so it's not, not, so it's not, that, not that much. Because they generally, like I said, the, 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 the shaft was filled with bodies, so they had to go somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, well, then, if it's just the shaft, yeah, I'm going to say 5,000 just in there. Because yeah. they're pretty yeah. deep, you know? Yeah. Well, I've, got, I've just got several thousand now because uh, <laughs> they're not entirely sure. <laughs> what um, happens when you lose track of how many bodies are in your mine shaft? Mm-hmm. And whether uh, or not one is a Wendigo now because there was people in there. <laughs> um, like, most of them were prisoners of war. Uh, members of the armed forces and slaving home guards, civilians. Uh, there are no records of survivors. Well, yeah, they bricked, up, they concreted the top. Mm-hmm. So, how would you yep. survive? If you survive that, good for you. But I don't want to see you. You're gonna be a ghoul, or a Wendigo, or some horrible creature now. Mm. Um, the first official studies of the site uh, began in. I'm gonna let you get guess when they, guess when they started when the first official studies happened. So I know they became... This is in 45 when it it, happened. Well, Slovenia became independent in 94, so I'm going to go 96? 89, actually. Oh, good for them. The first official studies of the site began in November 1989 when a criminal report was filed against unknown perpetrators of the killing against an undetermined number of prisoners. (laughs) Whenever the number is undetermined, you know they just want to write shit ton. Like in the official report, mm-hmm. like in the office, they're like, how many people? And they're really like, it's just a shit ton of people, but we can't yep. write this in the report because it's official. Uh, the straight prosecution forwarded a report to the Celia Police Department in October 1991. And a decade later, in 2001, the Slovenian police began a formal investigation of the graves. Yeah, 2001 seems about right for the formal investigation. They've had about, what, six, mm-hmm. seven years of independence at that point? Yep, and um, there, there, there are enough mass graves in there are enough uh, mass graves in Slovenia that there is that they made a I'm not sure when they made it, um, but they made a commission on concealed mass graves in Slovenia. Like, I'm feeling less great about my heritage. <laughs> and in, yeah, in January 2008, they they finally decided to inspect the Barbara Pit, with the the first of eleven barriers was set 300 meters after the entrance. Basically, after. No, after they closed off his mind, they basically forbade any conversation of it. Like that sounds about right, though. And this is this case of most mass graves there. Like people knew there, but they forbade it for so many years, some decades, that people just forgot about them. Oh, look into the Latin American ones. It's even mm. more fun because if you go to visit your family, you disappear. 
Oh yeah, I've um, I've read a lot about cartels and stuff. Uh, oh boy. Oh, that's not a cartel. That's the government. Oh, that's okay. Never mind. Different. Latin America. Okay. It's the government who's making you disappear. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's even more wow. fun and depressing. Mm-hmm. So they, they decided to inspect it in January 2008, and it was finally breached on the 24th of July 2008. It took workers eight months to remove 400 kilometers of um, like material and penetrate 11 reinforced concrete partition walls, which were, each one, yep, which were each one meter thick. Shit, they really didn't want people coming out. So even a Wendigo couldn't bust through that shit. Yeah. Um, to uh, reach the graves. Uh, the first corpse was found on the 23rd of February, 2009, which was, and it was 449 meters into the, into the mine, uh, near the ninth barrier. Wait, someone made it, like, they weren't at the end. They were in between barriers? Yep. What the fuck? The victim appear, appeared to have survived the slaughter and managed to dig through about seven or eight meters of land before he reached an, a, comp- a concrete door and ran out of oxygen. Oh my god! You thought you were going to Shawshank your way out of this and you, you got fucked! Yep. Like, literally no chance at all. Oh my god. And on the 3rd of March 2009, the invest- investigators found a mass of 427 corpses, which were largely mummified due to the lack of oxygen in the mine. The corpses still had hair, skin, ears, and nails visible. Uh, I'm just picturing them as a giant ball of corpses because you said a mass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and ex- excavating a feather five meters um, un- uncovered another 45 meter deep shaft in- with 369 corpses. It's estimated that the shaft contains about contains about 2,500 dead. How much do these people who are excavating this drink? Because I would just be like popping the Schlevo back, like lots of it. Probably not enough. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had Schlevovitz. A shot of it, it smells like nail polish remover, but it gets the job done. So yeah, basically um, after researching on this, they kind of figured out that uh, um, most of them were Slovenian or Croatian citizens. And they found they also found a lot of orthopedic equipment and bandages among the corpses. So it also included wounded soldiers, and about ten percent were women. I think it's kind of mean to throw in like the the equipment. Like, did they throw in crutches with them? Is that I what they? Found? It just says orthopedic equipment, so that could be uh, that could be anything. That's true. I guess um, they, they probably would save those. Anything they could save, they probably save. But mm-hmm. Slovenian pathologist Jose Balazic. Uh, commented the scenes we found there indicate the victims died in agony all corpses were covered in lime and based on their body position it appears that corpses had been moving for some time Pavel Jenik uh, from the Slovenian criminal police directorate uh, noted that some victims were probably still conscious when the execu- when their executioners scattered lime because it's because the lime was cracked which means that they moved after it was up there. and there are several skeletons sticking above the surface of the lime no 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 i'm just trying to th- i'm i'm picturing it's like anytime you get like a base kind of thing on your skin where it's a slow burn and so you're just sitting there like in your in like intense pain because your whole body's burning yep it's like it's not gonna be great no i'm really glad uh, we did this one first now yeah <laughs> and on March 6th, 2017, it's been, it had been announced that the remains of 1,420 victims had been exhumed from the site so far. 
Like, how uh, do you even identify them all at this point? A lot of the time you don't, honestly. <laughs> like, right. And then, um, now at the beginning of July, it was the amnesty was granted to people and first prisoners were released. And before they left, they were photographed and their fingerprints were taken just in case. It's always just in case, you know? Mm-hmm. We just need to know what you look like, any possible variations in your facial structure, your fingerprints, your DNA, probably mm-hmm. your, scan your eye now, all these fun things. Uh, and between the 9th, 19th and 24th of July, the court martial tried the remaining home guards. All of them were sentenced to penal labor, mostly for the duration of several months to a year, with a lot of the, with the camp being turned into a penal camp and renamed the Institute for Forced Labor, Tehari, which existed until October 1946, after which most of the prisoners were transferred. It didn't really change how they, how they, went, how they were treated, of course. They just changed the name. <laughs> to Institutions for Forced Labor. Sounds so much nicer. Mm-hmm. Around uh, 7,000 to 8,000 people passed through the Tehari camp, and out of 5,000 Slovenian home guards, only several hundred are still in the camp. After the camp's closure, the barracks were removed, and it, in 74, it was, the area was turned to a waste depot for chemical processing, and a golf course was also built on part of the site. A golf course. Sorry. So it's ne- a golf course next to a waste depot? Is it a Trump course? In 93, the Slovenian government approved the plan to build a memorial park at the Tahere site, designed by Slovenian architect Marko Music, which was described as a, a central symbolic monument of this Republic of Slovenia, dedicated to the memory of victims of post-war killings in the territory of the country. Um, and it was officially opened in, on the 10th of October 2004, being the large memorial in Slovenia, with an annual ceremony in remembrance of the victims of post-World War II killings held at the site. And in 2014, the park was recognized by the Slovenian government as a cultural monument of national significance. There are 11 mass graves in Selje itself, with 14 in the immediate vicinity, um, including some of the largest mass graves in Slovenia. And across, I was right, nearly 600 such sites have been registered by the Commission on Concealed Mass Graves in Slovenia, containing the remains of, I'm going to let you take a guess. 600 mass graves containing how many people? Um, I'm going to... I, I gave you the large, largest mass grave. Okay. Which was 2,500 that was estimated. I'm going to go... I'm going to go low end and go 30,000. Higher. 60,000? 100,000 victims. Shit. Like, it's ridiculous. And I had, I had no idea about this thing at all until, like, this week. I knew a little bit... Um, I didn't. I knew they had camps and stuff in the country. I just didn't know they had camps after the war. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the part I wasn't so sure about. I was like, oh man, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> the question is, was it the regional like was it the Sol- regional Slovenian government or was it the Yugoslav government running it? That's the bigger dilemma because I mean. Anyway, that's my story on the Tehara camp in Slovenia. <laughs> Go get some Schlievovitz to wash that down. And on that, we're going to cut to music. And uh, I'm out. We'll let you um, recover for a little, for 30 seconds. And we'll be back with um, another story. And we are back. So, 
Courtney. Yes. What do you have for me? I have melon heads. Not watermelon heads on people, but melon heads. (laughs) Hit me. Okay, so there are actually two kind of lores around this. And then I have the conclusion, like someone actually did research into this and became a buzzkill. They figured it out and then they were like, if you like the lores, don't read this. And I was like, but I must know. (laughs) The worst kind of person. (laughs) How dare you like facts? (laughs) (laughs) How dare you go to libraries and figure it out? Okay, so most of the lore around Melonheads are around this figure known as Dr. Crow, which is spelled 12 different ways because no one knows what ethnicity he is, I guess. So you have like fun K's and H's and E's, all a good time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, most of. My friend's band is called Crow, like K R O H. So I'm assuming it's that way now. <laughs> I think the A, I didn't copy it but like the the h1 had an e at the end too so i'm like it's clearly they're just picking eastern european versions of this name yeah (laughs) so they all center around orphans under the watch of dr crow and he's generally to blame for the reason that the melon heads are in kirtland ohio where i now have done several stories on lake county on my own podcast and now here I do know other stories. It's just, it's local lore. Ohio so does keep coming up in my research. <laughs> and I'm just like, what, what is it about Ohio and fucked up shit happening? <laughs> like, it's because I always joke that Ohio is a weird mix of like Midwest, like politeness, but then also New England, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we're polite to you until you start attacking us and you don't know anything about and we will fight you. Just, I mean, look at LeBron James. He's such a nice person. But you know if you started throwing down, he was going to take you out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't really fuck with many basketball players. <laughs> like, or athletes in general. <laughs> yeah, they're at the peak of their fitness, and I don't think I could run away from them. No. Like... The fir- let's go with the first origin, where Dr. Crow is blamed for the mutation of basically children into inhumane beings. Mm-hmm. They said that the government was hired to have him treat children afflicted with hydrocephalitis, a.k.a. water on the brain. Mm. Um, but Crow had more fun ideas of what he was going to do. So he added more water to their brains mm. and treated them poorly and used radiation on them. Joy. <laughs> So my description at the beginning explains why they were so messed up. Um, many um, of I'm going to enjoy this, aren't I? <laughs> oh, yeah. Many of the children didn't survive this, shocker, and were buried in a local cemetery. Um, the ones that did survive had many physical defects and were mentally disturbed as having extra water on your brain and radiation shot at you would do. I can see that. <laughs> So basically, it keep he's doing experiments, experiments on them, and they just revert back to animal state. So they become uncontrollable and are relying on instinct. The turning point is they snapped and attacked Dr. Crow, attacked him, tearing him from limb to limb, and ate him. Joy. <laughs> so happy. Um, and then they started a fire and burned down the lab. I mean... To be fair, fair enough. Like, <laughs> like he kind of deserved it at that point. <laughs> Anyone who's shooting 
unauthorized radiation at me, I will, I feel like this is justified, you know, mm. on top of throwing extra water on your brain. That's true. So they ran out onto the road and started living in the woods. And basically it's this one uh, road in Kirtland and Chardon where people go and look for them. I don't know why. And they, uh, they will attack you. if You go on, on there and it's supposedly near a bridge called Crybaby Bridge. And I'm like, that's not a good bridge. It's called Crybaby. No, that's, yeah, that's not a bridge that you really want to just chill on. Yeah, there's several reasons why it could be called Crybaby Bridge. I didn't look into it, but I was just like, any bridge called Crybaby feels like a bad bridge. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, and so basically the, they people believe that they have reproduced and got creepier and have spread. Hence, sometimes at night I'm terrified outside my house. This is reasonable. (laughs) Yeah. So the other legend is that Crow was um, a gentle, loving man who was trying to help the children suffering from water on the brain, because I'm not going to try to say that word again. Um, So he took in dozens of orphans, abandoned unwanted children. Basically, he was running an unofficial orphanage, keeping kids safe, and... People who called them melon heads were like the ignorant, like neighbors around them. And he was good to them, giving them love and acceptance. It's a happy story. Uh, and he was shielding them from horrible people. I'm not going to lie, Kirtland is very small minded. Yeah. It is the second home of the Mormons. What up, Mormons? <laughs> what up? <laughs> They're very nice people, but. Um, I hope you all know that Gunny is for a gang sign. I did. I did. That. I did have a... <laughs> very nice people. Um, I can't be one, though. They don't do caffeine, and I would die. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, they say that Crow suddenly died of natural causes, and the melon heads freaked out. They kind of got mad. They set fire to the house and fled to the woods. And I was like, that it's abrupt yeah abrupt you're right you're correct (laughs) and i think basically it was just they couldn't deal with their grief and they took out anger on anyone who crossed their path uh and but basically it says locals would know to stay far away from the property i don't go looking for it i've lived here most of my life and i've never had the urge to go to crybaby bridge or this property or on this road unless i have to (laughs) So again, oh I, I, guess, I guess I must make great drives. <laughs> I have to drive past the, uh, the street that the, um, the barn murder was on all the time. Like, and it's not that far away. Oh joy. It's right by the dog park I go to. <laughs> so I have to literally <laughs> pass it. And I was like, it's now a mega church. It's fine. That definitely yeah. takes all the bad juju off that land. <laughs> oh man. Nothing bad ever happens on church grounds. <laughs> definitely not a ch- like a massacre of a family it's fine so both of these stories have like the melon heads surviving and thriving producing more offspring and getting more insane as the years go on so we're all screwed basically <laughs> they guard their territory i'm just now picturing it as like melon heads as like the sharks and the jets like going around like snapping their fingers um i don't know what that means <laughs> West Side story Okay, no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I was wrong. I was like, is that American football? I don't know. 
No, I don't. I don't follow it. It makes me sad because I love rugby. So it just watching it hurts me mm. internally, externally. Um, they're also blamed for attacks and kidnappings. And my thought is, if they're supposed to be smaller and have giant heads, how do you get kidnapped by them? Are they just really fast? Like, it would be scary to already fast. Because there, the one there was like I didn't include it because it sounded like a creepy pasta before there was creepy pasta of someone saying like they kept up with their car going forty five miles an hour and I was like bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, it's like uh, think any. I'm pretty sure any human going really fast just freaks me out a bit. <laughs> like Usain Bolt freaks you out. Mo Farah yeah, freaks you out. They, they're just I mean, too fast. To be fair, would you want Usain Bolt running up to you? No. But I would exactly. definitely stick out my arm to clothesline him. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably give him a high five anyway, but I'd be like, please don't run straight at me ever. <laughs> like, that would be a great new Olympic sport where really fast runners have to like, they have to joust at each other. <laughs> <laughs> just give them lances. And just <laughs> I'm thinking like the cartoon ones, you know, when you get the inflatable mm. stuff where they're like the inflatable lances. Yeah. And they just have to go and like knock the other one over. I'll just get an armored Usain Bolt up to get some real lunch. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that'd be a great new sport. You have to train to run and hold a heavy thing in one arm. Just oh, one arm. I'd watch it to be fair. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I love it. That would be so, oh my god, that would be so funny. And like that's and like to get into the Olympics, you have to knock three people over. Mm. Be good. It'd be good sport watching. Um they are also accused of stealing livestock, pets, children, as a food stores. And also, they could possibly be cannibals if they had to be. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to get into the buzzkill story. So uh-huh. he's, um, and this I pulled from Weird USA. It's literally, okay. it's literally a book called Weird USA. That seems like a book I would earn if I existed for. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun because this is also, the weird thing is, it's randomly also an urban legend in Michigan and Connecticut, and I don't understand that. Hmm. Michigan a little bit, because it's also like kind of like Ohio, but yeah, Connecticut is such a different sort. It doesn't make sense. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> it's much more New England and prim and proper. Yeah, I don't really know the exact like groups of areas. If that makes sense? <laughs> like... I'm not. I'm not so first on like American areas. Michigan's <laughs> the mitten. It's just north of Ohio, and then Connecticut is by Massachusetts. Do you know where Massachusetts, Boston area is? Boston and New York. Yes, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I probably know more of your geography than you know of mine, but I've just America's had- really big. <laughs> like I also had to map a lot of the world recently, so. I oh, know man. more of the UK and your weird, weird names of places. Oh, there's some great ones. I'm pretty, there's one place that's literally just called beer, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it says yeah. a lot about England, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Says your your uh, priorities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is, I'm just going to read his story and I'm going to edit the part when he does the little myths because we already are legends because I've already gone over them. So. Okay. He starts, my father's house rests in a secluded, thickly wooded area off Mitchell's Road in Chardon, Ohio. When my family relocated there in the mid-70s, my, sis- my older sister's middle school classmates turned white as a ghost when she told, us where- when she told them where her- our house was. 
you live in melon head country she they explained like it's a real thing like people like you're like oh we're in melon head country and they're like oh yeah <laughs> we went there like friday night to scare each other it's it's not a joke oh wow that's um fair enough that's interesting <laughs> we don't have a lot out here i'm not gonna lie i don't think we have many like many things like that around here Probably have better ghost stories, though, because you had, like, battles. Nothing happened exciting in Ohio. I mean, not in Birmingham, at least. Birmingham is just Birmingham. (laughs) We just have the most presidents based on birth. And then I think the most assassination or assassinated attempt presidents as well. (laughs) Ohio. I'm selling it so well. I mean, it does seem to be one of the main places where all my research ends up. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Hello, Ohio again. (laughs) Hey, you can go visit the Shawshank Redemption Prison. They do ghost tours now. I I drive past the billboard all the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Okay, so she was then frightened with the tales of Dr. Crow, the evil man who performed cruel experiments on hydrophilic like children to make them into cannibalistic fiends. As I grew older, I discovered that the, these legends had traveled to nearby parts of Geauga and Lake Counties. By then I had heard the conflicting locations of Dr. Crow's laboratory and institution. And so basically the legend states that it occurred near Wishner Road, near a bridge, crybaby bridge, but the road is actually split in half due to a washout, which isn't that uncommon around here. Um, Half of the roads in Chardon, half of the roads in Kirtland, and each features a different bridge as a landmark. Okay. Why? I don't know. Probably because Chardon's fancy and they want to claim shit. So, also, I also became aware that high school students from Chardon often disguise themselves as melon heads to frighten necking teenagers, which is great. I would do that personally. So as a prank, I'd always be really scared to do any pranks in America. <laughs> like I'm just like, please don't shoot me. It depends. It depends on where you go. Like most people I know don't actually own guns. Mm. Okay, so forgot his name. Ryan now lives in Los Angeles, and he's still thinking about the melon heads. So he decided to get to the bottom of the myth and be a buzzkill. <laughs> So he finds connections in Chardon and found a local woman who had several interesting stories to tell. Basically, the real Dr. Crow has studied um, hydrocephalus 30 years ago in a, at a place called Summer College, Sumner College Cottage uh, on Wisner Road, but the cottage burned down in mysterious circumstances. So that part seems to be like someone new. But there's no mention of escape patients with deformities. Okay. So right now he just has, yeah, there was this cottage and this dude who studied people with water on the brain and burned down. Um, apparently there's another tale that has uh, Dr. Crow, he found swinging by the neck from a bean of the arch barn on Mitchell Mills in apparent suicide. Okay. Uh, then he's doing other background research and found in a newspaper article from the West Yaga Sun claiming that uh, Dr. Crow, spelled like your friend's band, K-R-O-H, had been influenced by Gregor Mendel and was experimenting on humans to increase the size over their heads. Mm. Um, when his experiments failed, he, in a fit of anger, 
he piled his genetic mutations into the car and left them by the side of um, the Chagrin River Road in Kirtland, where they fled into the woods. Okay. So we're seeing where parts of this legend has, like, built up from, like, different things. Um, And when he goes to look up any death certificates, um, none of them appeared to be doctors and all had died of natural causes. So nothing's matching up with this legend. Mm. And he couldn't, like, the problem is he can never, Ryan could never find a specific time or place to, like, really pin down the events. Yeah. He manages to track down a local expert on, an expert on local folklore who gave the official version of the Melonhead legend, where this one's a little different from the nice version, where Dr. Crow and his wife lived in a cottage where they cared for children who had water on the brain. Um, they adored her. We're not really keen on Dr. Crow. When they got into an argument, Mrs. Crow fell against the cabinet and suffered a fatal blow to the head. Your fear of blunt force trauma, basically. Oh, joy. <laughs> However, the children thought that he had murdered his wife and killed him and mm. proceeded to tear the cottage apart, setting it on fire. And then lived in the woods, which I was like, why is everyone living in the woods? Like... Good question, to be fair. Like, why is everyone living in the woods? Why are you living in the woods? Um, I have no choice right now. I would reject living in the woods. I'm not. <laughs> I don't like it at night. It's creepy. The trees creak. The other night I heard a barn owl. It was really loud. And I was like, is it going to swoop down on me? You never know. Yeah. One of my friends has a house that opens up into a graveyard. In the garden. No, 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 please. <laughs> That seems like a, just an invitation into your house to haunt you. The thing is, they have a proper garden, but if you go far enough back, there's like a gap in the fence where you can just go and walk into a graveyard. <laughs> be great for sneaking out of your house, but like really creepy sneaking back in. Because oh, think yeah. about it. Also, I never want to be drunk in a graveyard. Okay, so now we're getting to the buzzkill part. Okay. He found the origins of the myth. In the late 1950s, early 60s, there were a few children with water on the brain that lived in Northeast Ohio. One of them lived on Wisner Road and was enrolled in the Kirtland School Department. Um, the kid and his normal friends were all preteens and they would creep up on parked cars and scare away older kids. So basically they were scaring away kids who were necking on the road. Mm. And the students then would tell their friends at school that they had been chased by the melon heads. But people who have water in the brain don't live very long and he died of natural causes and is buried in the Kirtland South Cemetery. So he was a normal kid just playing pranks on people. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's actually quite a good origin story. <laughs> like, if a prank like managed to make an urban legend that, that good. Yeah. Fair enough, you, he did good. <laughs> he did what he tried to do. <laughs> He's got a legacy that's lasted way longer than he did. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that is the end. And there's some really good kind of like creepy pasta stories on the internet about people mm. chasing melon heads or being chased by them. Also a couple, it looks like B rate horror films. Yeah. So I think I know what I'm watching later. Joy. It's like, I think, um, I think the origin story is a lot better because no one, had radiation or extra water put on their brain because that is terrifying. Oh yeah, that, like radiation is like. Did you listen to the radiation the radiation episode that we did? I back? believe so. 
Yeah. Japan is like, oh boy, oh boy. It makes Never. you scared. Yeah. There's pictures of that one as well on online. <sighs> it's just like, the guy just, it looks like a still from, like, it looks like it could be a still from um, fate, like 28 Days Later. It is oh, freaky as shit. I've read the accounts. Um, there's accounts from when the bomb dropped. And you mm-hmm. can read, like, I made my student, I was a horrible person. I made my students read that. And I realized I probably shouldn't have talked about it first because it's a bit of a buzzkill. Mm. There's a uh, there's a good um, documentary on Nagasaki. Or, I think it's on Hiroshima or Nagasaki. I think it's Hiroshima. On um, on Netflix, at least the English one, um, <laughs> super good, and it's. I was so depressed after watching it. I, I was know. like, I was like, oh man, that's the, that's the worst shit ever. I just felt bad because I had of my students like they're basically reading about how like this kid survived, and then you're just watching everyone else like they like with their eyes coming out and like skin yeah, like, burned, and the guy was talking about the problems. But there, there's a whole database of first-hand accounts online that you would never know about mm-hmm. and it's just i could only read one because i couldn't force myself to read more oh we should um cut the music and get and get into our outro <laughs> yeah. so i uh, hope you enjoy that story guys <laughs> um for people that are joining us after our editing session we just talked for about 30 minutes in between this the ending <laughs> of it and uh yep the actual episode but yep yep so cut to music boop And we are back. <laughs> so, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the stories for this episode. So, Courtney, do you have anything you'd like to plug or shout out to? Yeah, check out um, my podcast, The Cult of Domesticity. We release a new episode every Thursday. Earlier on Thursday, if I'm doing pretty well with my editing game and don't have to be at the gym at 5.30. And uh, if you check out our social media networks at The Domestic Podcast or Instagram at The Cult of Domesticity, uh, we have pictures and we do a recipe of the week every Sunday. So you can see what we're cooking or crafting for our domestic arts. I think I'm nearly up to date, actually. I'm getting there. I think I've got like maybe five more episodes left. Yeah, we have um, 23. God, 23 now. It's hard to think about that. But this one's going to be 20, uh, 19 for us, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Once you get past 10, you're like, this isn't real. Like ten was okay for me because it's like we took a break at there because we had Christmas. Yeah, we didn't but, take um, a Christmas break. After we got to like fourteen, fifteen, I was like, oh man, oh boy. This is real now. This is yep. this is a commitment. Yeah. So uh anyway, let's see what what else we need to do. You have to sign off. Yeah. Um <laughs> shout outs on only shout outs, uh Nox Arcana. Shout out to Cult Domesticity since uh, <laughs> Courtney's here. <laughs> I fry. Podcast. Oh, they're good, yeah. Um, which we had a primary for this time because that's what I decided on during the episode. <laughs> I can do the one I just started listening to, Gayless Girls and Wayward Women, a his or her story of the British Isles. Excellent. Excellent. I've not heard that one actually. Yeah, uh, I just found him on Twitter the other day, and I was awesome. like, "Damn it, I don't have enough time for this." <laughs> cool. I think that's pretty it. I normally do a cool thing of the week, which I I don't even know what I'm gonna do this time. Fuck. Um, oh shit! Um, have you seen the Good Place? I love the Good Place. Go 
if you're listening to this, go watch The Good Place. It's on. It's a Netflix uh, original, but it's one of the best comedy shows I've seen in a while. It's so funny. Yeah, after you get really depressed about our stories, go watch an episode of The Good Place. Some good happiness. They don't swear in it. It's hilarious. Yep. It's crazy. Oh my god, it's so funny. Um, and um, what else? We have a Patreon coming up, which may or may not be within the next few weeks. <laughs> it's, um, it really depends on when, when life lets me do it, because I currently have a huge deadline coming up in March. So uh, um, uni is killing me. Help. <laughs> that should be a podcast. Uni is killing me. Help. Yeah. <laughs> and social media. Hey, we have Facebook at, at Blood and Rocks. We also have a Facebook group, which you can find through now, or if you search for it. And we get like stuff like this. We'll have like discussion group threads and stuff like that after episodes. We'll have um, Twitter at the Bloody Rocks, which is where I'm most active. That's um, how we became friends. So <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, and we have email at botrpodcast at gmail.com. And finally. If you're a podcaster, give me a message on any of those, and I can add you to our new Discord server, where we where we have loads of um, which is for true crime podcasters and similar genre stuff. I may open up to other things like later, but I don't know. Yep, yeah, let, get in get in touch, and uh, yeah, we can just hang out and uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, anything else you want to add before we go? I think I'm good. I plugged fully. <laughs> Excellent. In that case, thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Okay. Ba-da-ba-da-ba.